Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On this episode, we're talking about birth order. Firstborns, middle children, babies of the family, or onlys. How do these family positions affect your children's personalities? How do they affect our own personalities as adults? And does the science really support any of this? Hey, Lisa. Hey, Lon. How's it going? Oh, the usual. You know, working my day job as a doctor, as well as my all-day job, which is as a referee between my children. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I mean, this pandemic has been an interesting experience on a lot of levels. Um, One of them is the increased amount of time that siblings have had to spend together over the past few months. It's, It's so true. You know, like in other cultures, siblings do spend most of their time together as children. But that's not always true in Western culture, where... Kids are, you know, I mean, our kids are typically in separate classrooms or separate school Mm -hmm. buildings eight hours a day, and then they're pretty intensely scheduled with individual activities the rest of the week. So being in quarantine with only siblings to play with for months on end has definitely been a new experience Mm -hmm. for many of us. How have your kiddos been doing with it? You know, they've actually loved being together more. So my one and a half year old daughter seems to just like love the extra attention. Yeah, it's so cute. And then my five year old actually is practicing her reading by reading her old baby books to her sister. So which is really adorable. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's all lovely until like the one year old takes the five year old's drawing pad, then friendship dissolves in an instant. (laughs) Of the unforgivable offenses of siblinghood, of right. course. <laughs> the drawing you know, pad I mean, is where the line is drawn. Totally. We have standards. <laughs> now, you know, same. My kids, they certainly argue. And honestly, they enjoy doing it, if you ask me. <laughs> but my husband and I have definitely seen them getting along better over the past few months. It's, it's great. It's like they've realized that they have to work together to come up with activities. And if they annoy each other, they'll be stuck playing by themselves. So mm-hmm. fighting is now really more trouble than it's worth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. There's like, there's nowhere else to go. So you gotta, you gotta, gotta get along. So that's why we wanted to talk about the topic of siblings and birth order. So does birth order really change our personalities? And which is the best birth position? And Lisa, have they finally realized that the best birth position is the middle child? Nice try, middle child. <laughs> I had to put that in there. <laughs> of course. What, do you, what else do you expect Only from the middle best. children? Only really. The best. <laughs> So for our listeners, Lonre is a middle child and I'm a firstborn. So we're going to see how well we fit our (laughs) respective groups. (laughs) So, you know, two of the earliest psychologists to publish on the idea that birth order shapes personality were Alfred Adler in Austria and Frank J. Soloway in the U.S. And they both believed that firstborns were natural leaders, while laterborns were typically rebellious. And birth order theory expanded significantly in the 20th century, and one of the more well-known modern authors on birth order is Kevin Lehman, author of the Birth Order book. And thanks to the writings of all these people and more, there are many character traits that have traditionally been associated with each birth order position. So 
you know, of course, first we talk about firstborns, a group close to my firstborn heart. (laughs) Some of the characteristics often ascribed to this group is that oldest children tend to be natural leaders due to having cared for their younger sibs. They have higher intelligence, tend to be very accomplished, are very reliable and are rule followers. And they can also be very perfectionistic, critical, rigid, and more likely to develop medical problems like ulcers or migraines due to their internalized pressure. And they can sometimes be overly compliant because of their respect for rules. Okay, Lon, I think I think this is hitting freakishly <laughs> close to home for me. <laughs> I think my parents will totally say this is me. And it's also pretty accurate for my firstborn daughter. But my firstborn husband and my firstborn dad do not share all these stereotypical traits. They're both very accomplished and reliable, but they're not aggressively trying to boss everyone around like the uh, <clears throat> rest of us older children. <laughs> no, I will agree. Yes, you are definitely... Um, of high intelligence and accomplished and, and reliable. So yes, I will I'll give you all that. Um, and then on to the middle children. <laughs> uh, so this group is often thought to be more creative because they can get lost in the shuffle of the accomplished firstborn and the baby lastborn. They're also thought to have fewer emotional disorders because of growing up with constant companionship. Um, they're often considered to be good negotiators or they're diplomatic and often have many friends. Um, So the flip side is that they can be too conflict avoidant and can be secretive and often are the first to look outside of the family for social support because they're tired of being too young or too old for their siblings' activities. So they might seek out their own peer group earlier than their siblings do. You know, I think it's definitely true of you as a middle child that you are diplomatic with many friends, but you also have the stereotypical firstborn qualities of being accomplished and reliable and a leader. And if we're to believe birth order theory, that may be because your two older siblings are both boys and you are the first girl, making you a functional firstborn. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely thought it was the boss of the house, as even as the <laughs> third of five children. So see, there we go. <laughs> And then we come to lastborns. You know, this group is often felt to contain a large proportion of future entrepreneurs because they grew up feeling like they weren't really taken seriously by their siblings or their parents because they were the baby. So they have to blaze their own trail and prove their worth. And they're often felt to be more relaxed because parents are often more relaxed by the time their last kid rolls around. I mean, my youngest is only six, and I already feel like that part's true for us. You know, with your oldest, you're like triple sterilizing every Uh bottle. And with your youngest, you're blowing dirt off a pacifier and calling it good. Oh, yeah. Totally. (laughs) The five-second rule is completely in play with the younger kids. Stretch it to 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah. You know, 30 (laughs) minutes. I mean, how bad could it be? (laughs) That's still on the floor here. Pop pop it in your mouth. Poor last warrants. But, you know, a 2015 study out of the UK showed that youngest kids were the funniest, Hmm. um, perhaps because they felt that traditional academic achievement was already covered by their older siblings. I mean, in my family, that's very true of my younger brother. He's totally the funniest, but he's also very academically accomplished. So how is that fair? Honestly, like, how do you get both? (laughs) Um, But they can be they're considered to be charming and affectionate but also manipulative, attention-seeking, and underachieving, particularly if they have multiple successful older siblings. I think it's so interesting. And then what about the kids who are only children or maybe functionally only children? So they are the firstborn and the lastborn if they're onlys. Um, So they get the benefit of their parents' undivided attention to help make them high-achieving while also maybe being babied. Um, So there is some evidence that they may have 
some lower social skills at the start of school due to not having siblings, but they do catch up by middle school. Um, And many psychologists feel that an age gap of more than five years causes birth order to reset so that a child born while her siblings are in middle school, for example, while technically is the baby of the family, may be functionally an only child. That is so interesting, right? Because it does sort of change things for birth order when you take into account age, especially age gaps. But then the opposite of that is multiple births. So frequently, even though twins, triplets, or higher order multiple birth siblings, even though they're all the same age, um, they'll often each take on a firstborn, middle, or lastborn role. And because they're the same age, and especially if they're the same gender, they may feel more pressure to differentiate themselves from each other than regular siblings do. And stereotypical birth order roles is one way that they might choose to do so. Um, One study showed that twins who were separated at birth actually grew up to be more similar to each other than twins who were raised together, possibly because they did not grow up as a pair that needed to set, set itself apart from each other and instead felt more free to be who they really were. I think that is so fascinating. I know. Yeah. And so like, you know, multiple births are one thing that might sort of change around how we think about birth order. And there are lots of other monkey wrenches, things to consider that might kind of, um, you know, put into question or make us think differently about some of the birth order theories. Um, So one of them is culture, especially when it comes to how um, gender is looked at. So For example, if the male gender is highly valued in a society, then a male who's the second born may actually grow up with more of a firstborn experience than his firstborn sister. Um, Or the, you know, on the converse, if a family has all boys and only one prized girl in the middle, that girl may have more of a firstborn or lastborn experience than than a middle child one. Um, So we have to think about sort of what gender, um, what role gender plays in sort of what the culture kind of sees as, you know, male versus female. That's so true. I think that was my mom's experience, being the middle child, but the doted on only girl. Mm -hmm. Sickness is another wild card. So if a firstborn is seriously ill or has other obstacles, a later born may become the functional firstborn. Disability or interestingly, extreme talent can take a child out of typical birth order. If a third born is an Olympic athlete, for example, the family may arrange its focus around that child in a way that might otherwise have happened for the first born. Yeah, and another thing to consider as we think about what role birth order plays is the temperament or the personality of each child. So, for example, if a first born doesn't naturally fit the family business, then another child may step into that role and become more of the leader. So if you have sort of the you know outcast of the family, even if they're the firstborn, they may not end up playing that firstborn role. And if there's another sibling, they might kind of sort of take over that role um, and get more of the parents' attention and maybe have more support to being you know more accomplished and more successful. True. And another monkey wrench is adoption or blending of families. Um, Depending on the age of the children entering the family and the ages of the children already there, traditional birth order roles can be altered. And in these cases, it can be even more important than usual to assert, you know, the value and importance of each child because of the upheaval that comes with these changes. Yeah. So and we talked about some of the original studies looking at birth order. So, Lisa, let's talk about some of the more recent studies. 
says, you know, all of that sounds pretty convincing, you know, but some modern researchers have challenged these ideas on birth order. Um, so just a few years ago in 2015, a German study led by Julia Rohrer examined large data sets of almost 20,000 people across several, uh, several countries and found that the big five, the personality traits, so these are openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism, that those were not affected by birth order. But they did find, however, that firstborn scored higher on intelligence tests. Wait, did you write this, Lisa? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't notice. Yeah, Just call so me Julia Rohrer. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, hmm. Supposedly, they found that firstborns <laughs> scored higher on intelligence tests with a progressive, if minor, decline in intelligence with later birth positions. Um, also in 2015, a study at the University of Houston led by Radhika Damien included more data than the older studies. So they looked at over 370,000 subjects and also concluded that birth order does not affect those big five personality traits. And some scientists have also noted that the supposed effects of birth order may actually be due to statistics, so which is interesting. So if you think about it, every single family with, a f- with children Every family of children has a firstborn, but not every family has a lastborn or a middle child. So statistically speaking, more leaders may likely be firstborn simply because there just are more firstborns in the world. That's so interesting, isn't it? Right. I'd like to think my club was a little more exclusive, but I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just the numbers. I'm sorry. But also family size tends to decrease with increasing affluence. Wealthier families tend to have fewer children. And therefore, the fact that most leaders seem to be firstborns may be more due to the fact that most leaders come from smaller families with more resources. Uh, A family with two children may be more likely to produce a president. And in a family with two children, each child has a 50% probability of being the firstborn. A family with 10 children may be less likely to produce a president, and each child in that family only has a 10% probability of being the oldest. And also, in a family where resources are limited, there may only be enough money for the first child to go to college. Mm -hmm. So that firstborn's achievement is due to finances, not birth order. Right. And another consideration is age. So no matter at what point in their lives that firstborns are tested, they're always going to be older than their younger siblings. Right. So their apparent, you know, increased responsibility or professional achievement may just be the result of being like 30 years old instead of 20 years old, like their younger sibling. So those, you know, devil may care (laughs) siblings may show the same characteristics when they themselves turn 30. But of course, you know, research studies are not easy to create and they often don't go on that long to look at results, say, you know, 10, 20 years later. I think that's a really good point. You know, something we often forget. How long are these studies following Mm -hmm. these sibling sets before they make their conclusions? Right. It's often just like a snapshot at at one time. Exactly. But that being said, you know, I it's not just me saying this. Okay, (laughs) Scientists have have published that the idea that firstborns have slightly increased intelligence than laterborns, it remains supported by modern research. In 2007, uh, Norwegian re- researchers uh, Peter Christensen and Tor Bjerkedal found that these intelligence differences were present in their study and not due to biological factors, such as, you know, they were hypothesizing maybe mother's first pregnancies are somehow better at building brains. 
they looked at children whose older siblings had died early. So these children were not actual firstborns. They had assumed the firstborn role, and they still did better on later intelligence tests than their younger siblings. So their conclusion was that the undivided attention that the oldest living child gets from their parents, however long it lasts, may be the source of this minor intelligence boost. And honestly, the fact is, it is minor. We, we all know or have families where all the siblings are successful, and, and it's more due often to cultural or parenting factors than birth order. After all, I mean, if all siblings in a family are doing well, or are not doing well for that matter, it can't be birth order that's responsible. Right, exactly. So, you know, here's our conclusion. Birth order is fun to think about and to use to explain the personalities of the people around us. And there certainly are some general birth order trends that even modern research supports. But birth order, it's not a straitjacket. You know, every child has potential, every child has gifts. And hopefully we can all encourage these gifts while helping kids grow up to see their siblings as supporters rather than competitors. Amen. (laughs) So that brings us to the physician mom life hack of the week. So, you know, as we've been talking about birth order, it can be fascinating to consider in our children. But what about how our own birth order affects our parenting? Well, check out the parents.com piece that we've linked in our show notes at hippocratichosts.com, which is an article that talks about how parents' birth order can impact how they raise their own children. Again, these are generalizations that don't apply to everyone, but do any of these stereotypical qualities sound familiar to you? This week, try making a conscious effort to bring in a parenting element from another birth order. So if you're a perfectionistic firstborn parent, guilty, (laughs) identify an area in which you can be more malleable, like many middle child parents. Maybe homework doesn't have to be finished before dinner. Okay, sorry. Even even this middle child parent says (laughs) homework absolutely needs to be done before dinner. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Okay. Continue, please. <laughs> Maybe you and I both <laughs> right, need to take exactly. need to look at this piece. Okay, we both need this life hack this week. <laughs> if you're a carefree last born parent, unlike Lon Ray or I, maybe resolving to stick to a schedule will help your kids feel more direction. Um, at the end of the week, see if consciously making a change was a benefit to your family, and if it was, commit to it. So, thank you for joining us this week. Um, We wanted to remind you, of course, to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, we'd really appreciate it if you subscribed um, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share this podcast with a friend. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.